visit patreon.com slash sword and laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Wait, Veronica, you sound different this time. I can't, is it, are you in Canada? Do I sound more Canadian, eh? You sound polite and like you like hockey. Mm, okay. I, mm, yes, I am in Vancouver. Uh, I am recording on my phone. Uh, fortunately, one of my coworkers had a little shore mic that plugs into an iPhone. Just in case this all falls apart. Yeah. But it uh, seems like it's bandwidth. going well so far. Yeah, your bandwidth took a big dump in the middle of that sentence, but now it's back. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Great, cool. Canada. <laughs> Thanks, Canada. Um, what are you drinking? We love Tom? you, Canada. I, I do love Canada. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I am having a, uh, because we're recording a little earlier in the day. And so for me, it was a little early to have a drink, drink, drink. I'm having a strawberry Ramune. Ramune. What's that? It is a Japanese carbonated soft drink that always comes with a little ball. That and pops you have to like down. push it in. And what does the ball do? How does the ball make the drink better? It makes it fun. Look, you can play with the thing and you can, yeah. You know, because usually when I'm drinking, the main thing is I'm like, I wish this drink was more fun. Yeah, I'm just sitting here with a drink. How could I make it more fun? Well, the way you can make it more fun is it also actually uh, works to keep some of the carbonation in, too. Oh, okay. Um, I am drinking also a juice. I'm drinking a Glory Juice Company, number 19, watermelon, pineapple, raspberry, lime, ginger, and mint. Cold-pressed juice. Oh, yours is much more healthier. Mine's only 90 calories, but it's still, there's no nutritional value to speak of. Mine mine. doesn't have nutrition on the label, so I'm assuming it's very healthy. Yes, that's what that means. And not full of sugar. What what is it again? I want to put it in the show notes. Glory Juice Company. Glory Juice Company. Number 19. Number 19. Easy, Easy enough. Hey, 19. All right. Well, now that we've got that covered, let's jump into the quick burns. Air New Zealand offered to give George R. R. Martin a free vacation to help him find peace and quiet to finish the winds of winter. You know, going to get them a lot of attention. Cool press move, Air New Zealand. George R. R. Martin politely declined, but said in his reply, as for finishing my book, I fear that New Zealand would distract me entirely too much. Best leave me here in Westeros for the nonce. But I tell you this, if I don't have the winds of winter in hand when I arrive in New Zealand for Worldcon... <gasps> which is happening in 2020, that's next year, you have here my formal written permission to imprison me in a small cabin on White Island overlooking that lake of sulfuric acid (laughs) until I'm done. Just so long as the acrid fumes do not screw up my old DOS word processor, I'll be fine. Is he really still on an old DOS word processor? As far as we know, yeah. Amazing. Well, I guess that's good from a distraction perspective. Like you're not um, going to be on Twitter on your old DOS word processor. Probably. I think you're missing. You're missing the point here. That is, he is oh, basically yeah, promising winds of winter <laughs> will be out by next year. 
I guess I did go a little deep into the word processor element of that sentence. <laughs> you got distracted. I get it. I totally understand. Uh, but I, if I may point out that he is essentially promising to have Winds of Winter done by next fall. You know, at this point, I guess mentally I've just kind of moved on. You're just like, yeah, no, I don't believe that. Like, sure, I'll, I'll read it when it happens. I'm not going to yeah. freak out over this stuff anymore. He's obviously got a lot going on. I think the reason I find it notable is that he never gives promises, right? Yeah. And the few times he has, he's immediately regretted it. Uh, <laughs> so I can't tell which time this is. Is there anything that George R. R. Martin talks about in public that he probably doesn't regret? <laughs> the poor guy. I know, right? Like, yeah. Uh, well, Rob says things are looking up for the thorn of Emberlane. Scott Lynch mm. just posted a photograph of what I believe appears to be the finished draft on his Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Oh, there it is. There it is. in all of its a four or eight and a half by 11 glory, depending. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Rob originally thought it meant the finished manuscript, but then someone pointed out that Scott referred to it as a draft. So, uh, even so, even so a finished draft puts you much farther down the road to publication. Uh, so I'm excited. I, I've missed the gentleman bastards. I can't I wait to, to hang out with them again. Me too. I mean, I've really loved reading um, the the other book that I was reading that I really liked recently, Theft of Swords. Uh, uh, gave uh -huh. me a little bit of a gentleman bastardly feel yeah. to it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also really excited to get back into Scott Lynch's world. And that's that's pretty thrilling. See that I'm excited uh, about. Right. Well, because you don't have a history of Scott Lynch breaking your heart. He may have delayed things in the past, but he, hasn't he didn't have a whole Gentleman Bastards it. TV show happen. <laughs> true, true. I loved Game of Thrones. It was like my favorite show. I'm sad it's over. That's pretty much it. I'm I'm sad it's over. Yeah. I'm and I'm I can't wait. When the winter comes out, I'll be reading it right away. Mm-hmm. Mark said eight science fiction stories to read now before seeing them on TV and film. Uh right to the point is Mark. Uh, just telling us the title of the thing he's linking to. But yes, uh, Kirkus has, this is an interesting one because it's not like, oh, these are the things that are coming out next year, right? Like uh, his dark materials, right? No, these are things that have options on them, which of course, as it says, doesn't mean they'll get turned into to TV shows for sure. Uh, but things that they kind of think are more interesting to think about as TV shows. And this is John DiNardo, uh, our old SF Signal pal, writing this uh, for Kirkus Reviews. So The Power by Naomi Alderman. They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. Spoiler. Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. The Mother Code by Carol Stivers. Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. This is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. The Laundry Files by Charles Strauss. Uh, and that is the list. I was surprised by how many kind of classic things. I guess there's really two, two big classic ones in yeah, Frankenstein here. Frankenstein, for sure. Frankenstein yeah. and, and Cat's Cradle. Um, I had no idea that they were adapting Cat's Cradle. That's Well, I don't... Yeah. Um, CBS is producing a modernized version of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Cat's Cradle is going out on FX. FX. Okay, good. Uh, in 2021, it is expected. So, yeah. Uh, interesting stuff that you may not have heard about here that are all at least in development. Doesn't mean they're for sure, but it might happen. Yeah. 
Daradara says Marvel is adapting a bunch of their comics into audiobook format. They'll be a read-to-me style. I'm not entirely sure what that means, she says, and will be available in September. The Verge has the list of books being adapted. But then Tassie Day follows up by saying read-to-me means there will also be a book for children to read along with while they listen to the story. Uh, it takes a village, first of all. I love seeing Tassie Dave jumping in like, I'll explain. Uh, mm-hmm. That's awesome. And how cool is that? To have an audiobook of your favorite comic with another book. <laughs> I know. It's like an adaptation of an adaptation. I mean, I guess, does that just mean you read the comic while the audiobook is on? Like, like you get a Because it already exists. It. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I have no idea. I think that's what that means is it's read to me style, right? It's not that they're putting out a children's book version of this. It's that you'll be able to read along with the actual comic book that is being turned into the audiobook. I prefer to think it's an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation. Yeah, uh, could be turtles all the way down. Uh, not not for certain until we see the first one, but that's kind of cool. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, not a ton since our last episode, actually. Uh, but we did have a comment about a, a pretty fun little website that uh, John Scalzi found. Mark said, had tip to John Scalzi for a link to a people map of the U.S. Scalzi's post is over at his whatever blog. And the people map of the U.S. is at pudding.cool slash 2019 slash 05 slash people dash map. And uh, so basically, to kind of let you know what it is, you enter in or search for the place where you grew up, and it's, it, it's on it is a name. And that name is the most, quote unquote, famous person to have lived in your town. And so you can, it, it's just kind of like an at-a-glance thing. And, based uh, on Wikipedia, right? Based on that's Wikipedia. Where yeah. So that's where they're pulling the info from. Um, Mark had uh, George R. R. Martin, also known as Santa Fe, New Mexico. So hmm. that's, that's a pretty good one. So this is like, do you live in an SF or F author? Uh, and I do not. Do you, Tom? Uh, where do you live? I live in, I grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut. Which I, is? Which is uh, Manuet Bowl. Man, Manuet Bowl? Really? Yes. Okay. The, the Did you look up? Where you live now? I did not actually. Oh, because I live in Brian Austin Green, <laughs> best known for playing David Silver on Beverly Hills 90210. That's where I grew. That's where I live now. Uh, but I, I looked up where I grew. I'm originally from. Do you want to know where I'm originally from? Yeah. Tom Merritt. <gasps> no way. <laughs> that's how tiny the town is. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I was actually secretly hoping that I would be the person in my town, <laughs> but I forgot about Manuet Bull, who's pretty famous. I looked up, uh, I looked up the part of LA that I, they actually have, even though I'm in Los Angeles, I'm in a subsection of Los Angeles. Uh, and I, I looked that up first, uh, and they had it. And then I'm like, Oh, I wonder what, what, <laughs> what Greenville is. <laughs> it's me. It me. Do you know who the person is in, uh, my current Place of living? No. Steve Jobs. Wait, really? Steve Jobs. So that's that's all of San Francisco then. That's all of San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, it'd be nice if they did it by. They don't break it down, but like they because in LA they break it down. Like you can look at uh Venice and you can look at Santa Monica. Well, Santa Monica is a separate town, but you can look at uh, Mar Vista. You can they they broke it up more. See, this is kind of weird though, because okay, I noticed that they had Robin Williams and Tiburon. And I'm like, I don't think he was born there. 
I guess this is like the person who by like where they lived. Okay. People born in lived in or connected to a place. Right. So in their Wikipedia article, that place is listed prominently in relation to their, their yeah. article. Yeah. Now I would like to see one of, of where people were born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like where the famous people were born. Well, that would be Tom Merritt, Illinois. That wasn't it. That's an example of that. Perfect. Uh, but you know what not- else was weird? I grew up near St. Louis, Missouri, like 45 miles from St. Louis. St. Louis doesn't have someone. What? And like Chuck Berry is from there. Um, so many famous. William S. Burroughs is from there. Like so many famous people from St. Louis. And it just didn't have an entry. They have Tina Turner in East St. Louis, but they didn't have anybody in St. Louis. I'm like, what? This is a bug because... On the on the thread, Robin uh, lives in Neil Stevenson. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, Tomahome lives in John Malkovich. Mm, you can be John Malkovich. <laughs> I think that's pretty great. Who um, lives in John Scalzi? I guess he probably doesn't have necessarily. You know, no, someone actually much. does live in John Scalzi. Um, uh, Ruth. Says oh, that, nice. That uh, they're going to claim Scalzi, um, but uh, my Bradford is in England. No, they say, uh, wait, there it is. Adam Sandler, huh? <laughs> so their town is actually Adam Sandler, but she's going to stick with Scalzi. Going to go with Scalzi. Uh, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, Mike lives in Taylor Swift, but the nearest author is John Updike. Yeah. Rebecca has uh, Stephen Yuen, Glenn from The Walking Dead. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a cool one. I would love to have that one. Yeah. So that, that was a fun game, but I would like to see the map of, of people where they were actually born. I would also like to see one that's just sci-fi and fantasy authors. Like if you could pull that out somehow, uh, cause you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with Brian Austin green, I suppose, but they should be able to have the data. I mean, that should be easy to put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says just be not being a programmer. <laughs> yes. Says the product manager who just yeah. has to tell people to do it. I just tell them how it should work. And then <laughs> they go magic, magic it. Yeah. Code, code, code. There you go. Yep. Beep, bop, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. Because that's how engineers work, right? Right. They, they go, all say that. Boop, beep, that's why it's so loud when you go into anywhere where engineers are working. <laughs> uh, we had a, a Twitter post also from Pickerit who says, I've done it. I'm the greatest unlemmer in the history of the world. That's hardback people. That's 800 pounds of Murakami. Yes, he finally finished 1Q84. Well done, Picarat. Well done. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> We've had a sound effect tool in your arsenal that you have never used before on this show. Yes, we have, Veronica. And that right there is an example of why I try not to use it. And this is some of the great content you get by uh, subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. No, that's, uh, that's anyway, great. yes. I mean, uh, that, that's a lot of Murakami. Uh, and sure. Those of you in the audience who read it the first time around can be all smug, but you know, it's actually harder to make yourself go back and finish something than to finish so the first much harder, yeah. so much harder. So props, big props, uh, big that's, props. That's a good one. I've got a, a pretty big one on my docket coming up um, that I just got in the mail that I'm very excited about. Um, mm-hmm. It is the new Neil Stevenson. Oh, uh, nice. Fall, Dodge and Hell. 
Um, I'm very excited about it, though it feels like thematically similar a little bit to like, I was trying to think if it was like demon, maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. but it feels like it's, it's a little similar thematically where a very rich person dies and then they upload their consciousness to the internet. There's a little Reemdy in it too. It's like Reemdy meets Demon. It's Deemdy. That, that might be it. That's that might be it. Yeah, I think also Reemdy. But then I was no, there's like, definitely some Demon in there too. I think I agree. Okay, cool. All right. Well, should we talk about the uh, do a little do a little update on the the kickoff this month and our our book picks coming up? Yes, uh, folks. Next month is my normal month, right? Uh, I, uh, Veronica picked Peter S. Beagle's Last Unicorn. That's what we're reading right, right now in June. Uh, people were already speculating uh, after the interview that came out last week uh, about what the pick might be coming up. And I will not be picking it. Veronica will not be picking it. You will not be picking it. For the very first time, we are going to have a guest pick. You don't have a sound As soon effect. as I said that, dun, I was dun, like, wait, have, have we done that before? Maybe we, uh, but this is something new. We're going to try to do this from time to time where we'll get folks uh, to make the pick for us to kind of help vary up our picks even more. And we're very happy to announce that Bria Grant, writer, filmmaker, actor, and host of the Reading Glasses podcast will be choosing our July book. So stay tuned for more. I'm very excited. I think this is going to be cool. Yeah. Uh, she's already run some suggestions by us. They're all great. <laughs> so you, she can't really pick anything wrong. Uh, and then uh, we'll be solidifying that sooner. And of course, we'll let you know in advance once we have it all nailed down. So and thank you, Bria, for doing that. Yes, it's fantastic. And we'll figure out like, yeah, other special guests to come on, maybe some authors in the future, not necessarily picking their own books, right, but something right. that like inspired them or or that they've really enjoyed. I think there's or a they lot just of want to talk about. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And have them come on or record a little something for us. Yeah, I think Bria wants to pick something that she hasn't read, which is great. Uh, but yeah, we could do it the other way in the future uh, where somebody comes up is like, oh, this is the book I read that turned me into Chuck Wendig, <laughs> even though it's uh, someone who Michael J. Sold it. No, I, no, I, I was whatever. Was that actually Chuck Wendig said that? <laughs> <laughs> Except it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, no, or, or whatever. Like, uh, And we'll, we'll uh, entertain all suggestions, so keep them coming. All right, tell me about the last unicorn, Tom. Uh, what would you like to know? Your book about briefing. <laughs> Didn't we talk about the the last unicorn? I mean, we mentioned it last time. Did we? Did Did we not do the full book briefing? Maybe not. Maybe because it was a little early. I know we announced it, but okay. maybe we didn't actually do the briefing well, part. Well, so brief. Of the Let's just talk about yeah. it real fast. Well, uh, I'd love to, except my book briefing page is not loading. And I'd love to, but I'm not logged into Patreon, so I'm locked <laughs> out of the book briefing. So give me a second. Make this happen here. Let me uh, let me see if I can get to it another way. But yeah, Peter S. Beagle wrote this. Uh, the thing that struck me when I was writing the book briefing was that Peter S. Beagle is not one of those like, oh, he, he was doing some other job and got rejected a million times. Uh, I, I've got it up now. Uh, he went to school for writing and became a writer. Now there's definitely some drama mm. around the publication of the last unicorn later in his life, uh, and still going on about who owns the rights. That's one of the reasons oh, that I'm, we definitely read this. Cause I remember the, the Sarek part, the Sarek. Part? Yeah, oh, right. He wrote, he wrote the, the teleplay, screen, the teleplay for Sarek. Sarek. Yeah. Yeah. For, for star Trek, the next generation. Um, yeah, I thought we did. Uh, but I, I think it's worth emphasizing that he 
had the idea for The Last Unicorn in 1962 while at an artistic retreat in Berkshire Hills after a rejection for his novel, The Mirror Kingdom. But he went to school at the University of Pittsburgh uh, after winning a scholarship for a poem, got a degree in creative writing, held a graduate Stegner Fellowship in creative writing at Stanford University, uh, overlapped with Ken Kesey and Gertie Norman and Larry McMurtry there. Uh, So this is a person who wanted to be an author, submitted a thing to a contest, won a scholarship to be an author, well, not a contest, but for a scholarship to be an author, became an author, got a uh, fellowship to continue being an author, and then became an author, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's so unusual that that's the story. Usually the story is like, oh, this person was working in a bank or wanted to be an author but couldn't get into the program or got, you know, got rejected from college, so went went to some other thing. This, This is the way it's supposed to work, which is, I was good at being an author, got into college to be an author, and then became an author. Uh, So The Last Unicorn uh, was something that he worked on. It wasn't his first novel, but it's something he worked on for about six years because he wanted to get it right. Uh, The original version was only 85 pages and set in modern times, which would have been the 60s, uh, unlike the sort of kind of timeless fantasy land that it ended up being set in. Yeah, so there was that was published, though, right? The, the, The modern times version? Yeah, it was published by Subterranean Press in uh, 2006 under the title The Last Unicorn, The Lost Version. Mm, okay, and that is not the version we're reading. Uh, Kristen over on, on Patreon asked about that. No, we're reading the, the uh, slightly the original longer publication. old-time. Yes, the original publication. Right. Have you started reading it yet? I'm more than two-thirds of the way through. Okay, I'm also about halfway through myself. Yeah, it's it's good. It's definitely good. It's it's very fant- fantastical, which I like. I don't know if the fact that I already know he was overlapping with Ken Kesey at Stanford is affecting me, but mm. I feel this is very sixties trippy. Yeah, it's very trippy, uh, and not and, and I don't mean that as a critic. Uh, well, I don't mean that as a negative. Uh, it is it is the kind of novel that I absolutely wished I would have run into in college because this would have been like, Oh man, so cool. The imagery. It's also somewhat of its time in that we've had so many different takes on fantasy. Mm -hmm. I have to keep reminding myself that when he wrote this, there was nothing like it. Yeah. Even even, as good as it is, you still might be like, Oh, you know, this is kind of of a typical departure from the normal fantasy tropes, but he was one of the very few people who had ever done that at the time that he did it. Yeah, and it does. It's it's written very modern. It, well, knowing that it was written in the '60s, you can that voice feels very uh-huh. consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I enjoy and kind of forgot about. And it's like, oh, the writing style is 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 it does feel a little bit trippy. And sometimes mm-hmm. they say like the humor in it, especially or the the kind of irreverent things that a character will say. There, be like, oh, there's a like- stoner humor in there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm enjoying it so far. It's, uh, it, it took me a little bit of time to get into. It is so short, um, but I think the first couple of chapters I, I had to kind of dig my heels in, um, but now I'm really enjoying it. There is a, uh, I, I, we will not be spoilery uh, no. uh, on this conversation, but the, there is a, a sort of a change in the story a little more than halfway that made me go, oh, really? Hmm. And I'm kind of impatient to see if that's going to change back. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who's read it knows what I'm talking about it. If you don't, uh, it doesn't spoil anything because there's tons of changes in it, but there's, there's one in particular that I'm, I'm just like, mm, okay, not feeling it. 
Well, it's not that I'm not feeling it. I'm just like, but I, you know, I can't yeah, really say anything more without being spoilery. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear what people are going to say about this book uh, over on Goodreads. So head over there to join in on the discussion. There's already a few threads that have gotten started. Um, but yeah, we don't want to get into spoilery territory or get too much uh, dive around. into this because there's a lot more of the month left. Um, but yeah, let us know. And also, as always, we super appreciate you guys out there who are listening and supporting the show. And you can learn more about how to do that over at Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Absolutely. Thanks to Adrian Sarmiento, our most recent new patron. Uh, you can join him at patreon.com slash sword and laser. And you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.